स्मार्ट मीडिया Media presents Nation State of Play. Welcome to the Nation State of Play podcast. I'm your host Brian Miller. On each episode, we explore the political stories that are driving public policy in California. We explore these stories with political insiders, business leaders, journalists, and policymakers themselves. to get below the surface of the headlines and show you the true forces shaping our nation state. All right, well thanks for listening today. We have a special guest, former mayor of Los Angeles, Antonio Villaraigosa. He is going to talk to us about the mayor's race in LA, which is a unique vantage point to understand both the race and the job. As we sit here today, this race is both uh, are still being counted, very close race, uh, very low single digits, about a point and a half right now. It's headed for a runoff between Rick Caruso and Karen Bass. So the mayor joins us to offer some thoughts on where this race is headed, but also what's really important about the job and the key issues facing the city. And then we talk about the state as a whole. And uh, he, is, as most of you know, in Sacramento, he's also the former speaker of the House here in California. So he, he's got several unique. Vantage points that he brings to um, to these looking at these election results and talking about what the state is facing going forward. So stick with us, former mayor of Los Angeles, Antonio Villaraigosa, coming up right after this. American democracy is good, but we can make it better. The National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers includes organizations across the country that are working right now to build a better democracy by opening primaries, implementing safe, secure voting systems, reducing corruption, and increasing transparency. Listen to our weekly podcast, "How to Win Friends and Save the Republic," to hear the latest updates from the democracy reform space. Subscribe and learn more about us at nonpartisanreformers.org. Welcome back to the Nation State of Play podcast. Well, Mayor, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you. Well, Brian, thank you for having me. One of the reasons we wanted to have you on was we had an election last week, and one of the most interesting races in the state, even national implications, getting a lot of coverage, is for a job you used to hold. So, I can think of nobody better uh, than than having you on to talk about what's what is still going on in the LA mayor's race as we sit here today on Monday, the thirteenth. We're down to about one and a half points when I looked about an hour ago in the counting between uh, Mr. Caruso and Ms. Bass. So, um, so first of all, tell us where you stand on this race, and then talk to us about what you see uh, the current the current state of it is. Well, truth in advertising, uh, I am supporting Karen Bass. Um, I've known her for nearly five de- decades, forty uh, nine years to be exact. Um, I worked with her since the early 1970s. We were working in 1973 with the Coalition Against Police Abuse. Uh, we were working on immigration issues later in the decade. Uh, over the years, uh, uh, worked together on the issue of the proliferation of crack cocaine and drugs on the South Side and the East Side. I've known her for a long time. And I've seen uh, the way she uh, has an ability to work with a broad cross section of people to take on the challenges facing our communities. And so, I'm excited about her candidacy. 
I think she's the right person at the right time uh, to, to take on uh, the issue of crime, public safety, uh, homelessness, and you know the corruption in City Hall. And I, I think there uh, is, without question, um, an opportunity for us uh, to move forward with a, a candidate like Karen Bass. So I am supporting her. Uh, with respect to the race itself, uh, look, um, I think she was outspent 14 to 1. Uh, the last uh, uh, I've heard, uh, the other candidate, Rick Caruso, spent uh, upwards of $41 million when you look at what he spent uh, and the $4 million in independent expenditures. Um, as I said, that was a 14 to 1 differential. And notwithstanding, we're virtually even. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Caruso has a ceiling uh, in this town. As you know, uh, he's a lifetime Republican. Uh, he changed his registration, I believe, in 2014, but continued to support uh, people like Donald Trump, um, uh, the Senate Minority Leader McConnell, uh, and uh, the Republican leader, McCarthy. Um, he uh, registered as a Democrat a few weeks or a couple of months before uh, he filed for this race uh, for the longest time. I think for most of his lifetime, he was uh, against a woman's right to choose and now apparently has, uh, as he says, evolved. Uh, but when you evolve that in such a short period of time, uh, as you know, and in a number of areas as, as he has, it's, it's pretty clear he did that uh, for this election. And so I think uh, it's going to be a tough race. You know, he's you know, probably going to spend another $50 million. But I think right now in this time, uh, we, know, we need somebody that can bring us together around these issues, not divide us. Uh, if you've seen uh, the Caruso campaign, it's focused you know, on this dystopian view of Los Angeles. And look, none of us uh, are good with the level of crime and homelessness, the dirty streets. Uh, when I left uh, the mayor's job in, in 2013, uh, we had taken um, crime down uh, from worse than Chicago levels uh, to 1950 levels of crime. We went from the most violent big city in America to along with New York, the safest big city in America. But we didn't do that with the magic wand. Uh, we didn't do it by screaming uh, about uh, crime. We did it working with communities. And I think Karen Bass is that kind of candidate. Someone who's going to roll up her sleeves, working with a broad cross section of uh, communities to keep us safe. Uh, but, you know, it's not just growing our police department. And as you know, I grew our police department by a thousand officers. We were the most under police big city in America. But we also did prevention and intervention programs, summer youth jobs, apprenticeship programs, uh, you know, summer night lights where we closed parks till midnight. We did a, a broad cross-section of initiatives to take down crime in the way that we did. 
uh, you don't do it with a magic wand and, and you don't do it uh, by dividing people. You do them by bringing them together, uh, by collaborating with communities to keep them safer. So I, I want to ask you more about the sort of magic wand theory. I like that phrase that Caruso seems to be behind. But before I get to the substance, you're you're a really good political handicapper. So so let me just ask sort of a pure process take on these numbers. It looks like he's going to be less than forty percent when the votes are counted. Should we be sh- should political uh, observers be kind of looking at the not Caruso vote? as votes that Karen ultimately consolidates? Should, should we be thinking like something like 40% is, is kind of his ceiling is maybe a little bit higher than that? Like, how do you, how do you see um, those, those votes who were not Karen, were not Rick going in the general election? First of all, let me say something. As I've already mentioned his name a couple of times. Uh, you know, look, I, I, I've said from the beginning, uh, I have a lot of respect for people that are willing to put their hat in the ring. I know what a tough job uh, mayor of Los Angeles is. Uh, and I know the challenges ahead uh, loom large. Um, but uh, I can tell you uh, I'm supporting Karen Bass because I don't think you spend all your life in the private sector in the way that he has building uh, high, you know, fashion uh, malls uh, across the Southern California landscape uh, and really have the wherewithal uh, to work uh, in a city as complicated as LA. So this isn't personal uh, to Mr. Caruso. Uh, It is personal uh, about uh, Karen. I've known her my whole life and I've worked with her my whole life and uh, I have a lot of confidence in her abilities. Uh, I'm not a handicapper. Uh, but I will say, you know, and I'm, I'm not a pundit, but I, you know, have been around and do know a little bit about campaigns. And I'll say a couple of things. Uh, I'll say one, I do think he has a ceiling uh, in this town. Uh, I don't think it's 40 percent. Um, and, and I do think with the sums of money that he seems to be willing to, to spend, that this is going to be a tough race uh, for us. But ultimately, I expect that we're going to prevail. Uh, I think we're going to prevail because people are going to see that uh, Karen has a lifetime of working on these issues, of running to problems, not running away from them, and working with a broad cross-section of, of communities. You know, when she started the Community co- Coalition prior to running for office in the 1990s, she purposefully um, brought together African-Americans and Latinos to take on the challenge and the scourge of the proliferation of liquor stores and motels in our community, um, uh, to take on the issue of fair share uh, and equity with respect to the investment of uh, municipal and state resources in South Los Angeles. So she's been working on these problems for a very long time. As I said, I met her in 1973. Uh, I do think uh, he has the ceiling, however, um, and you know, as I said, with the with the amount of money he's willing to spend, I expect that it'll be a lot closer than it should be. But I do think he has a ceiling, and I do, I do think that our opportunity to grow uh, is much greater and larger. That's why I think they've spent such a you know an astronomical sum of dollars 
to put the race away in the primary. That was their hope and expectation. Uh, they actually bragged about it. And, you know, and throughout uh, you know, with all the insiders that they were going to and, and scared a lot of people. We weren't. Uh, we, we were looking at the numbers and but we felt pretty comfortable. It was going to be a close election. Um, and I think ultimately um, we're going to prevail, but it, it, it is going to be a tough race just because of the amount of money uh, that they're willing to spend. And, you know, I, I've heard they talk a lot, by the way. But I've heard that they're going to spend something uh, in the neighborhood of a, another 50 to 60 million dollars. And if that's true, uh, you know, we're looking at sums of money that have never been spent. I think the most that had ever been spent in a mayor's race was eight million by uh, Eric Garcetti. So this is more than five times uh, what was spent. And that was spent, as I understand it, uh, uh, you know, in 2016, I believe, or 2017, rather. And and other than maybe a New York mayor's race with the Bloomberg running, I'm not sure there's any precedent for spending that much nationally, by the, by the way. Uh, so we, we're, we're there, there, there is no precedent for any mayor's race. Nobody's ever spent this kind of money uh, in the primary alone. Uh, and I expect, as I said, that... Uh, they're going to spend a whole lot more uh, in the runoff. Okay, so so you um, you said magic wand before that phrase strikes me as a fairly good description of of the kind of Caruso theory, and and I think um, what I'd love to have you expand upon is you've been in those rooms, you have um, had to get people together who come from wildly different perspectives, feel very differently about issues, and as mayor, really had to forge consensus on these things. I think that's a really different exercise than what happens in the private sector when you can just fire and dictate and um, buy, you know, buy companies and sell companies and sort of thing. Could, could you talk more about that? Because I think you've had a unique perspective on this and sort of how the private sector experience, while valuable and important, or certainly not degrading that in any way, is not the same thing as being mayor of Los Angeles. Well, you know, they say that the mayor's job in Los Angeles is, is a weak mayor's job. I never found it to be, frankly. Uh, but you don't rule by fiat. Uh, you don't work uh, rule by uh, public uh, pronouncements. Uh, you have to work, collaborate, and cooperate with the city council. All of them are very powerful. There's only 15 of them. Yeah, you, you have to compromise from time to time. On the MTA board, the Metropolitan Transit Authority, you have to work very closely with the with the supervisors. Um, I worked, as you know, uh, a great deal of my efforts were put in the school district. I didn't have a vote on the school board, and so you have to use your bully pulpit, you the power of persuasion. You have to work with people. You you compromise, and uh, I like to joke. You know, when you're mayor of LA, you, some say you're the most powerful guy in town, but you know, one thing was for sure, uh, I was always, you know, I had to work it. You know, it, 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 it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that uh, you, you did just because you said it. And that's why I think uh, she's better poised to be a successful mayor. Uh, you know, in, in this race, uh, Mr. Caruso's talked a lot about uh, that he brought Bill Bratton, who was chair of the police commission. I think he missed some 40% of uh, his uh, 
police commission meetings. And uh, I know Jim Hahn. Uh, Jim Hahn was the mayor before him. Uh, Jim Hahn made that decision, not the chair of the police commission. Uh, you know, the, 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 the notion that the chair of the police commission missed 40% of his meetings uh, made that decision, you know, he implemented it, but it was, it was the mayor, uh, you know, Han that made that decision. Uh, the, the idea that he's going to do all of this, add another 1,500 officers. I, I, I added 1,000 officers in the middle of a recession. Uh, I could tell you it took eight years because a lot of officers are leaving every year. So we had to do, we had to replace them and then recruit to build to a thousand officers. Uh, the cost, you know, was, uh, I don't recall exactly, but I know the cost of 1500 is uh, $1.5 billion. Uh, you know, the idea that he's gonna do that in four years or uh, just because he says, it, 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 it stretches the uh, believability, frankly. Uh, I, I just don't see uh, that happening without a lot of hard work. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't see a candidate who comes uh, from that kind of wealth who really has never spent much time uh, in places like Watts, South L.A., and Pacoima, Bull Heights, or the east side. I'm not saying he's never been to those communities. But he's not spent the kind of time in those communities that Karen Bass has. Karen Bass uh, understands that we have an economy in LA that's not working for too many people. And she's worked her whole life uh, to make sure that we make investments in those communities. So uh, to compensate for the fact uh, um, that uh, they've been left behind. Uh, and so uh, that, I think, is my assessment. I, I don't think that it's going to be an uh, you know, easy race for us just because of the amount of money on the other side. And just about, and because two, th two other things. Their willingness to say things that just aren't true, that have no basis in fact, and the willingness uh, to attack in, in the way that they have. I mean, the last month, was just one attack after another. Uh, and notwithstanding that, as I said, we're still standing, she's still standing, and um, uh, ready for the next round. Okay, so uh, I'd love to know what other races did you look to check the results of on either on election night or the, or the next morning? What, what have you been watching that you think has big implications that our listeners should be paying attention to? Well, obviously, um, you have a Sacramento base, and I think that uh, I was certainly uh, always focused on the legislature as a former speaker and as someone uh, who believes that uh, there's a lot of respect for the work that they do. I'm, I was kind of focused on some of those races. Uh, obviously, the city council races were, were important, too. Um, but I spent most of my time, oh, and, and a school board race, uh, an open seat, well, two incumbents, re-election, uh, Kelly Gones and Nick Mulvoyne, 
and um, an open seat, uh, Maria Brennis, who I'm supporting. City attorney's race, um, Marina Torres were also races that I was uh, focused on. You should feel free to tell me you don't want to talk about this next topic, but what do you make of the speaker back and forth, Jocelyn? I'm sure, I'm sure you know both of these folks. This has been a very hard, sort of weird story to follow in a lot of ways. What what should what should listeners be thinking about what's going on with, with the speakership? Uh, well, sort of, uh, first of all, speak right now? I have a lot of respect for Speaker Rendon. Uh, we joke that I think his first race was my mayor's race. And I've known him for a very long time and have a great deal of respect for him. And um, not completely clear about where they are right now. Uh, I know that, uh, um, you know, there's claims that um, there is uh, 37 votes um, for a successor. Um, as I understand it, they both agreed um, to um, to wait till at least the end of session, um, but really haven't been in the weeds there. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure anybody really knows uh, what's going on there. Uh, I can tell you um, that uh, every speaker uh, has an end, and obviously that end could come sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, right now, I, I think it's a, a little bit in flux. I think by, uh, you know, most assessments, uh, there was a premature announce announcement. And since then, uh, probably a lot of jockeying. Uh, but, you know, I've always said that, you know, at some point, this happens to all of us. Uh, it remains to be seen whether it's going to happen, uh, you know, anytime soon. But I do know that, as I understand it, uh, there are about uh, 37 votes uh, for uh, a new speaker, uh, though up to now, not uh, a time when that vote might happen. Um, I, yeah, I, I think unclear, unclear is definitely what I've taken away from all this press. This has been a hard work So, so finally, before you go, let me just ask you about where the state is. You're talking about Los Angeles. I think a lot of these issues, of course, apply statewide. Governor and the legislature and a ton on their plate. Where do you think their focus should be for the last few months of this session? If if you were if you were still there, and I'm sure you still talk to a lot of people there. What what uh, what's the right advice for what they can constructively accomplish um, and for the rest of the session? Well, look, um, far be it for me to give advice unless someone asked for it. So I'm, I'm not here to advise the legislator. Legislature, there's a lot of strong leaders in that, and both the Senate and the and the the, the Assembly. Uh, I do think uh, as, you know, with the kind of surpluses they have, there's, uh, there's a lot of focus on how to spend it. Uh, and a, and a, a lot of focus, 
I believe, on the issue of equity and inclusion, as well there should be. You know, I've said for a long time, uh, we're the fifth largest economy in the world, uh, with the highest effective poverty rate in the United States of America. Uh, we have an economy that, uh, you know, doesn't work for too many people. And now with inflation uh, and the like, uh, there's a great deal of pressure on particularly low-wage workers and the poor. And I know the, there's a, a focus on the part of this legislature, uh, particularly the majority, uh, to make sure that they're providing a safety net. Uh, I think at the same time, uh, it's really important that we make investments. Uh, one such investment is our schools. Look, um, California uh, shut down the schools longer than virtually any state in the country. And the kids that were the most impacted uh, were the kids of the working class and, and the poor. Because that is who, in large part, are in our urban schools. And I'm hoping there's going to be uh, a very strong and vigorous effort on the part of the legislature to provide this, you know, a, a recompense, if you will, uh, for these kids. Uh, they've been out for two years. We've lost a whole, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of students across the state. And we're going to have to figure out how we find them and how we support them. How I make the investments to make up for those two years. Uh, yeah, a lot of fighting about what to do with the surplus. I, I heard a staffer recently say the only thing worse than a deficit is a surplus uh, in, in terms of political infighting. So, so that certainly stuck with me. But, uh, but Mayor, yeah, great. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I'll challenge that notion. I, I was Speaker of the Assembly when we had a few dollars, not nothing on the, the scale of the surpluses that we have today. And then I was mayor when we didn't, and we had to make cuts. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I was popular when I was speaker. Uh, I lost a, a little bit of that popularity when I was mayor. Uh, but as I said to someone the other day who was still upset with me about some decisions I made back then, I said, uh, in contradistinction to virtually everyone that said we were on a path to bankruptcy, we didn't go bankrupt. Uh, we took down that deficit dramatically. And, um, you know, people have pensions now as a result. So uh, while that person said what they said, I can tell you, having lived through both, I'd rather have a surplus uh, <laughs> than a deficit. This is more in the, this is more of the way to making a staffer's yeah, life difficult. The, the size yeah. of the deficit that I had. I mean, I literally had in a budget of $4.7 billion, a $1.2 billion deficit. Now, obviously, we have the entire budget 15 point, was 15.7. I think it's 20 plus now um, because we have the airport, the port, the Department of Water and Power, federal funds. But the, the city budget itself was, uh, you know, 4.7 and 1.2 of that was a deficit. So we really had to make a lot of tough calls. Well, Mayor, it's great to catch up with you. It's great to get your perspective on what's going on in the state, what's going on in Los Angeles. Um, we, we really want to do a, do a show where we could uh, un unpack this race a little bit more. I think you've got a really uh, firsthand perspective on it that I, no one else could offer. So thanks for being on the show. It's a pleasure to have you.
No, Brian, thank you for having me. And, and uh, to all my friends in the legislature and the staff, I hope wish you luck. And I know you got a tough job. <laughs> Thanks, Hassan. You should feel free to tell me you don't want to talk about this next topic, but what do you make of the speaker back and forth? Jocelyn, I'm sure, I'm sure you know both of these folks. This has been a very hard, sort of weird story to follow in a lot of ways. What, what, should, what should listeners be thinking about what's going on with, with the speakership? Uh, well, sort of, uh, first of all, right now. I have a lot of respect for Speaker Rendon. Uh, we joke that I think his first race was my mayor's race. And I've known him for a very long time and have a great deal of respect for him. And um, not completely clear about where they are right now. Uh, I know that, uh, um, you know, there's claims that um, there is uh, 37 votes um, for a successor. Um, as I understand it, they both agreed um, to um, to wait till at least the end of session, um, but really haven't been in the weeds there. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure anybody really knows uh, what's going on there. Uh, I can tell you um, that uh, every speaker uh, has an end, and obviously that end could come sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, right now, I, I think it's a, a little bit in flux. I think by, uh, you know, most assessments, uh, it was a premature announce announcement. And since then, uh, probably a lot of jockeying. Uh, but, you know, I've always said that, you know, at some point, this happens to all of us. Uh, it remains to be seen whether it's going to happen, uh, you know, anytime soon. But I do know that, as I understand it, uh, there are about uh, 37 votes uh, for uh, a new speaker, uh, though up to now, not uh, a time when that vote might happen. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think uncl unclear is definitely what I've taken away from all this press. This has been a hard one to follow. So, so finally, before I let you go, let me just ask you about where the state is. You're talking about Los Angeles. I think a lot of these issues, of course, apply statewide. Governor and the legislature have a ton on their plate. Where do you think their focus should be for the last few months of this session? If, if, you, were, if you were still there, and I'm sure you still talk to a lot of people there, what what uh, what's the right advice for what they can constructively accomplish um, and for the rest of the session? Well, look, um, far be it for me to give advice unless someone asked for it. So I'm, I'm not here to advise the legislator legislature. There's a lot of strong leaders in that, and both the Senate and the and the the, the assembly. Uh, I do think uh, as, you know, with the kind of surpluses they have, there's, uh, there's a lot of focus on how to spend it. Uh, and a, and a, a lot of focus, I believe, on the issue of equity and inclusion, as well there should be. 
you know, I've said for a long time, uh, we're the fifth largest economy in the world uh, with the highest effective poverty rate in the United States of America. Uh, we have an economy that, uh, you know, doesn't work for too many people. And now with inflation uh, and the like, uh, there's a great deal of pressure on particularly low-wage workers and the poor. And I know the, there's a, a focus on the part of this legislature, uh, particularly the majority, uh, to make sure that they're providing a safety net. Uh, I think at the same time, uh, it's really important that we make investments. Uh, one such investment is our schools. Look, um, California... Uh, shut down the schools longer than virtually any state in the country. And the kids that were the most impacted uh, were the kids of the working class and, and the poor, because that is who, in large part, are in our urban schools. And I'm hoping there's going to be uh, a very strong and vigorous effort on the part of the legislature to provide us, you know, a, a recompense, if you will, uh, for these kids. Uh, they've been out for two years. We've lost a whole, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of students across the state. And we're gonna have to figure out how we find them and how we support them, how we make the investments to make up for those two years. Uh, yeah, a lot of fighting about what to do with the surplus. I, I heard a staffer recently say the only thing worse than a deficit is a surplus uh, in, in terms of political infighting. So, so that certainly stuck with me. But, uh, but man, yeah. great. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I'll challenge that notion. I, I was Speaker of the Assembly when we had a few dollars, not nothing on the, the scale of the surpluses that we have today. And then I was mayor when we didn't, and we had to make cuts. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I was popular when I was speaker. Uh, I lost a, a little bit of that popularity when I was mayor. Uh, but as I said to someone the other day who was still upset with me about some decisions I made back then, I said, uh, in contradistinction to virtually everyone that said we were on a path to bankruptcy, we didn't go bankrupt. Uh, we took down that deficit dramatically. And, um, you know, people have pensions now as a result. So uh, while that person said what they said, I can tell you, having lived through both, I'd rather have a surplus uh, <laughs> than a deficit. And this, is more in the, this is more of the made of making a staffer's yeah, life particularly difficult. The, the size yeah. of the deficit that I had. I mean, I literally had in a budget of $4.7 billion, a $1.2 billion deficit. Now, obviously, we have the entire budget's 15 point was 15.7. I think it's 20 plus now um, because we have the airport, the port, the Department of Water and Power, federal funds. But the, the city budget itself was, uh, you know, 4.7 and 1.2 of that was a deficit. So we really had to make a lot of tough calls. Well, Mayor, it's great to catch up with you. It's great to get your perspective on what's going on in the state, what's going on in Los Angeles. Um, we, we really want to do a, do a show where we could uh, unpack this race a little bit more. We've got a really uh, first-hand perspective on it that no one else could offer. So thanks for being on the show. It's a pleasure to have you. No, Brian, thank you for having me. And, and uh, to all my friends in the legislature and the staff, I hope 
wish you luck and I know you got a tough job. <laughs> Thanks for time. We invite you to share ideas for guests, ask questions, and leave comments. You can find us at NeptuneOps.com. Follow us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts as we continue to explore the inside stories driving California politics. This is the Nation's State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and thank you for listening. Media.